Marconi's got lots Christmas. of cash. Yes. And he spends like it on all that. I used to. Yes, <laughs> we are. Yes. Put together money in Christmas. That's right. That's, that's what you get. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Yeah. To do that. So, how are you, Professor Phil? I've never met her, Dr. Stabon Marconi. How about yourself, Dr. Stabon Marconi? I'm okay. And how are you, Professor Guthrie? Just fine. Thank you for asking. Good. Looking forward to another wonderful holiday season. Yes. Happy right. holiday. Mm. That's right. We you should tell it? people they're listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio. You heard about Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, finally, 25 years in, she gets her number one single. Right. I heard that, right. I, I yeah. heard that a day ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they said on one of the shows tonight that her royalties from that, she must have written a song. I think she did. She She's a 50% co-writer. She made $60 million on that. Right. That's what they're saying. That'll buy a couple hoodies. Yes. At least. Yeah. Possibly right. Trez hoodies. So it's, that's it's, wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So that means the other, the other co-writer, there's an interesting article on Billboard about the writing of that song. She has this story that it just came to her through inspiration, and mm-hmm. she ran over to this sort of like Casio-type keyboard and just started typing it and humming it, and, yeah, I've got it. And Yeah, and she was alone, and then, you know, the other guy just added something, you know, and then the other guy who she hasn't talked to in 20 years says, well, I don't know about that, but we were in the studio together <laughs> when it all happened. You know, he, he right. had a completely different story of the, than, the, than the Mariah. Yeah. All right, all right. Embellishments. Okay, so this is the last show of the season. This is the last show of 2019. Oh, Last show nice. of the decade. And I see you did bring in the uh, package of sweaty balls that I I, I did I because, because for, of uh, uh, the holidays. Right. Yes. I from know NPR, how much you I stole them like from uh, them. NPR to bring yes. them in. This is, yes. This is, by the way, yes, it's the um, end of our half season. This is season four and a half. We're within mm. season five mm-hmm. because we started in March of the year of our Lord 2014. Ah. Yeah, so 5.4. So Carl was... One of our first guests. Yes, he was. Carl Guthrie. By the way, Carl Guthrie, who's here, is our entertainment lawyer. Or music business lawyer would be better to say. Would you say entertainment lawyer or music business lawyer for you, to describe you? Well, the, the field has broadened so mm-hmm. and converged so in, in so many ways. We say music and entertainment or entertainment. Music, okay. Can you do movies just like you can yeah, do? Yeah, that's what I say. Entertainment co- oh, really? encompasses mm-hmm. all those sub-areas. You know, film, okay. Television. And, and what's interesting now is... Uh, a lot of artists, recording artists and performing artists, um, have moved into television. Mm-hmm. Uh, some through these uh, reality television shows. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're seeing, a, I said, the convergence of the media right. is, is major. You know, sometimes you see a television artist or film artist 
put a record out or get into records, but more often you see recording artists mm-hmm. uh, delve into uh, television and film and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, years ago, when uh, I was representing Queen Latifah, um, she did a few bit parts in films, and uh, Hollywood take, took notice immediately. They said, she's got star quality. Mm-hmm. And next right. thing you know, they, they cast her for a show, and the rest was history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what mm-hmm. was her TV show? I'm trying to think. It was the 90s. Living Single? Yes. That was yeah. her Living Single. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, probably on Fox, I would say. Yeah. yeah. They did, they did yeah. well with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Um, by the way, speaking of doing well, we should give thanks real quick. Okay. Dr. Esteban. Uh, we should. Oh, first of all, give thanks to Ashley Veltner, who is on the other side of our made-up glass. Right. Ashley Veltner, she's a German engineer, so she does not understand a thing that we all talk right. about on this show. She just basically reads our American lips and assumes when it's time to turn up and down our knobs. Yeah? Thank you, Ashley Veltner-Stein. And then go to music. And she's, vid- a, and she's a student. And she's a student of, of, of yours. Just took her final last yesterday. And, and you feel she did well. You're, in, your, in your well. heart, just, you know, yeah, your, just, your psychic just, quality. Uh, <laughs> general cursory glance at her exam. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'll take a deeper dive shortly. Yes, but <laughs> as, as all professors do. But, um, and I'll then tell you she, something. On her midterm, she was one of the first to finish. Really? And she left so quickly. I said, I know she didn't do well. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as it turned out, she, she was did. right at the top of the yeah. class. Very she's, a, she's a semi-smart girl. And yes. semi-sweet. So you don't like have to labor mother. over your exam to, to do well. She's she German. She has very little to say to us tonight. Well, then again, she doesn't speak okay. the language. Okay. So, uh, by the way, people, if you have questions, you may call us. And this, and I said people, this can go out to animals, farm animals, any type of animal. Don't you may call in 973-720-2738 if you'd like to give us a call. And I have a question for Carl. What do you, how do you call him? What is he, what do you, what's... Call. You, you, call. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Stephen calls him Call. He always goes, have you spoken to Call? And I said, I don't and I know who that is. <laughs> mean, when I was mean, up call. in New England, they would, you know, the the, uh, the R disappeared. It was Carl. Carl. That's right, Kyle. yeah. Hi, Carl. All right. <laughs> are you then Guthy? I, I had to get used to that. Are you Guthy <laughs> up there instead of Guthrie? There's a car, Carl. <laughs> Which in Spanish means poo-poo. <laughs> hey, let's give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Readers Down, and St. Vincent and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. Hyphen, this CPA.com when you're ready. And we want to give thanks to Christine Vey, a wealth manager at the Forefront Group. Christine has helped many professionals at the University of William Patterson manage their investments to plan out for their retirement when thinking of building a bridge to your financial future. Think about the four front group. That's F-O-U-R, front group. And go to christine.oi.vey at forefront.com. Leave the last oil off for savings. Which is what you would always do. Managing your band's sixth edition, it continues to chug. It chugs along. Sure. Six. That's right. Like someone getting hazed at a party in college. <laughs> Speaking of college, this is the number one radio station on the campus of William Patterson University and has also been number one many times recently and was just nominated again for number one radio, uh, nominated for best station 10,000 students and over. And uh, we assume it will win. If not, we have a lawyer in the house right now with us. Right. Who will, in the um, studio. Will, 
Yeah, and this and he's going to make sure that this goes through. All right. And um, there we go. Ready so, to proceed. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. So the jury has uh, stated its facts, and now it is up to Dr. Esteban Marconi here on Music Biz 101 and more to begin his third degree of the witness, the Esquire, Carl Guthrie. <laughs> well, I think the listeners would be interested as a starting off point to talk about when and why this 360 multi-layer deal came into existence. What was the reason why it came into existence, and what is it, basically? Well, I guess it, there's several schools of thought about that. Some say that uh, the 360 <clears throat> actually was in existence uh, before we really knew it as such with smaller independent labels, mm-hmm. more or less uh, the notion that you're you're not just putting out records with the artists, you're partnering with the artists mm-hmm. and uh, helping them across uh, across the board in their careers. As a matter of fact, some small boutique labels and production companies, they actually got involved in management and uh, handling all phases of the artist's career, even though they had the record label and they created the records. Uh, but that was always usually at, at the indie level. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> even there, there was a, there was a hard and fast... Uh, rule that for most of the indies and, and the majors, major labels, you didn't you didn't go beyond uh, making records, maybe getting involved in merchandising and sharing that with the artists, maybe getting involved in publishing. At one point, the companies were really in it; they pulled back some. Now they're back in again. Uh, but you didn't get involved in live live performance income and shows and so forth. Or any anything else like film or television mm-hmm. that the art that recording artists did that was their uh, area of, uh, exclusively, and um, as time went on, of course we we lived through thank goodness the glory years of the record industry mm-hmm. when physical product reigned supreme, and of course uh, the profits were much more significant. I think um, as we started to head past the Napster period and into uh, did the digital age. Um, the profits in the industry from physical records. When I say physical vinyl, mm-hmm. CDs, years ago cassettes, cassettes and so forth, yeah, that they dropped off uh, about fifty percent. You know that sort of tailing off, maybe down from uh, uh, fourteen, fifteen billion to half of that. Well, there go the profits. Mm-hmm. And for the longest, we said that. On the business side of the, the industry, uh, even in the in the companies, if you were a head of business affairs or legal affairs or what have you, uh, you were pretty stable. So the administrations could change, artists could come and go, regimes could change, but you know the business side stayed pretty stable. But as the industry lost such incredible amounts, um, and it fell just so precipitously, eventually. We started seeing major labels laying off business affairs, or they had what they call bloodbaths. Mm. You know, so a lot of the executives were starting to make plans to take up elsewhere because they would no longer be at the label. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've, I've I've talked with a few executives recently. That's still going on. But what's interesting is some of the executives they know the business so well, and they've got the relationships, and this is a business of relationships. Uh, they'll start their own company nowadays. Yeah, distribution company because it's digital. It's not hard at all, you know. Mm-hmm. 
and they have access. They've got the contacts and so forth. They know about promotion. And, mm-hmm. um, and so they start up a, uh, their, 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 their own company. You don't need the, mm-hmm. you know, the brick and mortar, huge uh, companies like we used to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, as we went from six majors down to three, um, we've seen incredible change. And as we've gone to the digital side, what's interesting is that uh, the company companies realized that they couldn't rely on sale of records, physical or otherwise, to um, meet their bottom line requirements to stay in business. Um, so they had to think of a different way to handle this. And they said, well, maybe what we do is start getting more involved in the artist's careers and collecting monies from other sources. Uh, and of course, the concept of 360 is a perfect circle. Which So in, a, in an ideal world for a record label that was trying to delve beyond just receiving record income and uh, maybe some merchandising, whatever. So let's get involved in every single aspect. Let's do a complete merger and partnership with the artists. So we're going to be involved in film, uh, merchandising, sponsorships, endorsements, live performance income, and so forth. So the problem is, if you had a manager who was getting 20% Mm -hmm. of your revenue, and then you had a record company that was getting um, across the board, from every single area of activity that you're involved in, uh, a significant percent, you got to pay tax, you have business managers, you have lawyers. Uh, Eventually, the artists realize that we can't make anything. There's nothing for us. Mm Mm-hmm. It used to be when I was a young lawyer and uh, negotiating a record deal, a very seasoned attorney had been around for years. He said, we don't need to negotiate this deal too much because actually the artist is not going to see too much in terms of record royalties. They'll make their money on the road. So all artists knew that you get out there on the road and you could work. Mm-hmm. And what you, what you made, you retained. There was no record company taking a cut or anything like that. Cut, I mean, by that share. So um, that changed radically. Companies started saying, "We want in," and um, it's tough to argue. It's tough. It, well, there's two sides to it. On one hand, it's tough to argue that the record companies should share all the profits with the artists from every single aspect of their career and, and activity in the entertainment field, unless you were supporting and working with that artist in those fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the notion that there should be a it's a, a very popular word these days, quid pro quo. <laughs> <laughs> that if you're going to mm-hmm. take from the artists in terms of film, television, merchandise, sponsorships, tour money, uh, you should give to the artists. Provide tour support. Finance tours. Mm-hmm. Provide know? the investment. Provide the invest in, return, invest in is, their careers as actors yeah. and actresses to develop uh, roles in films and movies. Um, go out there and pitch a few corporate sponsors and bring some sponsorship deals to the table. And in that way, you will have earned, you know, you become an active partner as opposed to a silent partner just collecting income. Now, what's interesting yeah. there, let's, let's talk about, let's say they get the acting gig. So let's say I'm, I'm, I'm an artist yes. and I have a manager yes. and I have a record deal, 360 deal, yes. and I have an agent and it's CAA and CAA represents me in Hollywood. Yes. So you as my lawyer, are you looking ahead and saying, all right, there has to be some sort of cutoff between, yes. because now I'm giving CAA 10% of that, my uh, manager 20%, and 
I have a contract here, which you had seen from somebody else yes. that was looking for 25% as part of the uh, 360 deal. So that's 10 plus 20, 35 plus, let's say the manager gets 20, that's 55%. Yo. That's going to business manager, other, five, business uh, man, yeah. attorneys, attorneys, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uncle Sam. Yeah, then there's <laughs> always the tax man, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, it, it only adds up to 100, and you get there pretty quickly <laughs> yeah, with it's... all of those cut-ins mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from various sources. So um, artists have to pay, have realize they have to pay much more attention and not just willfully, uh, willingly embrace a 360 unless there's some quid pro quo. There's some something that they're getting returned, mm-hmm. uh, that there's an investment being well, it's, made. It's interesting because this particular contract that I have, <laughs> which... I I talked to the artist on the phone and I yes. said, "Is it a 360 deal?" And I believe his answer was, "No, it wasn't." And then I was I was going through it today. I said, "No, this is definitely a 360 deal because no. the language was that uh, uh, artist hereby grants to company or company's licensees the exclusive right throughout the world during the term to receive 25 percent of the net income, blah blah blah, payable in connection with ancillary rights." Uh, ancillary rights shall include, but not limited to, merchandising from tour merchandise, publishing, endorsements, special marketing arrangements, sponsorships, strategic partnerships, touring, film, TV opportunities. <laughs> um, and then earlier, it the talked about sink? publishing. Uh, what, what? Did you get the kitchen sink? Yeah, and plus the kitchen <laughs> sink and the, the the stopper for the for the thing itself. But they also earlier in the thing said they also want fifty percent of all publishing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I mean. This so is, a 360 a, deal will say basically everything else that we haven't covered in that agreement, whether yeah. it's publishing, right. merchandising, yeah. we're getting 50 or whatever, uh, everything else is, uh, comes under the 360 deal, right. what's left. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a share of that. He said 25% of the yeah. net. Unfortunately, some contracts say 25% of the gross, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. could look right. a lot different. You know, I, I, I give the example of even with managers, you know, getting paid on gross could be very troublesome. Because I said, if an artist does a hundred, a hundred dates at ten thousand dollars show, so it's a million dollars. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if they pay twenty percent gross to someone, uh, manager, record label, or whoever, or multiples of twenty percent to managers and rec companies, if they come off the road and they've earned uh, their expense, they expensed away from ten thousand a show. They said expensed away. 60 to 80 percent of it what's left would be the money that would be paid to the manager and the record label and the mm-hmm. artist would literally walk away without anything yeah. all right i did so, uh ashley is in a, a class that i teach personal management in the music and entertainment industry and i did a problem where artists went out did shows and after splitting up all the money between all the parties including the manager in this case getting 20 percent, then you have a band let's say it's four people oh in a that's band, tough and you split the band then by four. This is before taxes right, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Because yeah. I was trying to figure out, so where is the, where is it ethical for the manager to be earning more than the people in the band? You know, so we were fooling around with numbers to to make it. Let me bring up a point know. on that. On that note, excuse me. Um, some managers either will refuse to take the the gross because it's it's just as you said inequitable on its right. face, or they'll they'll put a clause in. And say we agree that we won't take, we won't earn more than the band. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at at most we can only get fifty percent of what you ultimately receive, what we call in pocket dollars, what you actually walk away with. We really can't take more than half of that, and that that's probably 
a lot fairer than just taking a 20% of the gross or whatever and uh-huh. literally walking away with 100% of it. Mm-hmm. Let me say this, too. As time has gone on, artists, artists have become more savvy and uh, companies have become more realistic. And I've seen 25% drop down to 10% mm-hmm. or 15%. Um, in real realization that it's just you're hitting too hard. At, as you said, perhaps if it's a group and they've got to split their earnings four ways. I represented a group that had to split it six ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, these these are tough situations. You know, you mm-hmm. talk about divvying up earnings and then paying off the top 20% to one one um, person that you're doing business with or entity, and then you pay 20 or 10% to another, you know, agents, managers. You're already going to, you're going to be over 50%, and what's left for the band can be very mm-hmm. troublesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, so fortunately, we see the numbers coming down some. You know, and here's something really interesting. Then I'll let you jump back in. He's got, yeah. Oh, this 360 deal that uh, or concept that that came into the record industry as a saving grace for companies, another way to make money when physical records were in the, on the uh, wane and uh, digital wasn't earning enough to to make up the difference. Um, television producers started looking at this, particularly reality show television. They said. Hmm. With the show, the Jersey Shore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. said we're we're making stars out of unknown uh, actors and actresses, just getting into television. Perhaps we should be getting a three. We should have a three sixty deal um, with the people that appear on our shows. Mm-hmm. So when they go out and do. Do performances or appearances around the country, or they, or they do roll, their book. Or, they do a book, or they roll yeah. out, you know, some sort of a clothing line or whatever they do. We get a share of that. So if we've seen television production companies say we want fifteen percent anything you do mm. for the mm. next five years, you know, mm-hmm. as a result of launching you on this reality show. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, and they got you by. So I suppose you have a record company getting a three sixty of television. Mm-hmm. You do a you do a, a reality show. You get. Another 360. Mm-hmm. You have a manager getting 20, uh, the booking agent uh, getting 10 to 15. Uh, you're, you're in over your head very quickly. You're mm-hmm. underwater very quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, you really have to be sensible about how you're structuring everything and what's left at the end of the day. And if you have a group, even more so, you have to plan uh, very carefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But companies, are, everyone's becoming more sensitive to this and understanding that we really can't ask for At one point, companies were saying we want 50% uh of all your income in the 360 deal. Uh, I've talked to some executives. They said, well, give us an option to get a portion of your income, maybe from certain areas where we're actively involved. If we're not really actively involved and it's just a passive income mm-hmm. that we're gaining, we'll take a much smaller percent, maybe even five, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. five, ten, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're, we're actively involved, we'll take a higher where we can justify it. And uh, everyone hopefully can get along much better and, and live more comfortably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I want to go back to um, something I always talk about in class, and I stopped doing research on this in 2011, but I don't think it really matters. And that is that the overwhelming majority of recording artists, people signed to label, never make money selling records. They never see a check. And I showed that in 2011, according to Nielsen SoundScan, over 850,000 titles 
were scanned at least once. I thought that was astonishing to me. 850,000, not yes. number for sale. We don't even talk about the side of the stage and so on and so forth. And out of that, we had about 16 platinum, about 25 gold. And I was using 200 copies, figuring a dollar royalty of a buck. And they're in, if you do a recording, you're in the record company for at least 200,000. Sure. So 200,000 being the break even point. And the number of artists in that year that sold 200,000 or more worked out to 0.004% of the 858,000. Um, so I was trying to show that, that live was always the answer, that you always had to be doing live. And yes, if you're Mariah Carey, yes, if you're Drake, yes, if you're whomever, the record companies are going to come and kiss your feet because you are part of that o o o percentile that's paying the bills. Now, I understand, of course, that they stick their neck out. But when we do the math and we see that even if we're using a buck of vinyl, the to break even on a $200,000 bill, the number of uh, the amount of money that was made by the record company when the artist broke even is astronomical because they're making about five bucks a CD or even better than that. So that it's so skewed, you know, and certain artists, I remember it was either the Eagles or one of those groups said yeah. to, uh, I think it was also Sheryl Crow, also saying, look, we've taken it on the chin for so long. We're proven that we're going to sell records for you. Can't we up and renegotiate and really up to a partnership yes. of 50%? 50, 50. And the majors won't really have anything to do with it. But do you, all of your years of recording, of um, doing recording contracts and so on, yes. am, I, am I wrong with saying the overwhelming number of artists really never break even? No, they, they, in other words, uh, they don't recoup. Yes, I the costs put it that way. They're not recoup. recouped, so they remain unrecouped, and the companies call that having a red balance. You know, mm -hmm. In other words, you're in the red. You're, you're unrecouped. You're, the cost of the company has laid out for recording and uh, marketing and so forth, and even artist development. They 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 keep a tally of those and any videos and so forth, uh, which can be very expensive. They say, well, we've laid out eight hundred thousand dollars and. You've earned, you've earned out maybe three hundred of that. So your your red balance is five. Mm -hmm. You have a five hundred thousand dollar red balance going into your next album or your next record, whatever it is. Right. Which means, as soon as you start recording that and you get another advance, now your red balance immediately jumps back up to towards a, a million. You know? Yes, and if you have a producer taking two or three points from the first record sold, right. you're constantly having the yeah, you're having the, the 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 fight of them. They're paying them. You haven't even seen any money yet, but you keep paying money out. You know, it's interesting. I told I've told student I've told students and clients uh, instead of a three sixty, try to negotiate a one twenty. Mm -hmm. In other words, carve out certain areas. Mm -hmm. You know, everything doesn't have to be in there. These things should be negotiated. Mm -hmm. You know, if if, if the record company has nothing to do with my film income. 
you know, 50 cents at one point made a deal and received a hundred million dollars from vitamin water. Yeah. Right. Should the rec company get uh 25% of that 25 mm -hmm. million? Mm -hmm. It's a question, you know, um, you'd want to carve income like that out of your deal, uh, with the, with the record label and so forth. So think in terms of shrinking that 360 or having the company, as I said, invest in the areas that they do participate in on the income side, um, so that it's, it's more palatable, more manageable and more equitable yes. and fair to the artist. But yes. another point I, I realized early in my career was that artists did seem to always be unrecouped and, uh, there's no there's no uh, correlation between having a hit record and having a tremendous amount of sales and being recouped mm -hmm. as an artist. As a matter of fact, if you have a very low royalty, you can have very high sales. That royalty does it is not enough to recoup the cost that the company has laid out. So mm -hmm. the company could have the profit the, the the project could be very profitable to the company, but you could come in at the end of the day and, and the company says, well. Great, great record, great project. Uh, nevertheless, you're still unrecouped. You still have that red balance. But guess what? Mm -hmm. We're going to give you uh, an advance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we call it a pipeline advance. We know money's coming in, uh, and you're going to be good for it. Eventually, it'll earn out. But So we'll, we'll tide you over. I know artists and major artists have lived on advances, mm -hmm. which I call um, uh, limited recourse loans. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the, you got to pay back through your royalties. Right. And so yeah. since you always have a red balance, you never pay it all back. Mm -hmm. But but you can still have your first and second home and, and live your life as a celebrity artist uh, because the company will give you advances. It's the holidays. Sure, we'll give you 100000 mm -hmm. You're good for it. You know, we'll make it up over, over the next year or so, you know. No problem. At least it's. Uh, we should make that clear, though, to the listeners, though. So the artist, though, never needs to pay that money back. It's a loan... That's why I said I get, limited recourse. Collateralized loan. against the. It's not against your house, your car, right. or your, you know. I never have to write a check back to the label. Exactly. If you drop me or something, oh, and you owe us a hundred thousand dollars. It's the late. The artist does yeah. not need to do this. They're let, on the hook. Let, let me add another point to that, yeah. though. If you decide to leave a label mm -hmm. uh, in midstream or I mean mid contract, see, I've, I've had it. There are creative differences, or we're not getting along. You change administration. A and R guy doesn't get me anymore. We're we're miles apart creatively. It's time for me to leave. Um, company could say, "Well, we've built you, and we just right. can't let you leave. If you're going to leave, we're going to have to do a, a deal where we we get an override. You're going to pay in advance, an override advance, an override royalty. So if you leave our company and go to our competitor, now that competitor is going to have to pay us out of your deal." an override royalty and an override advance so we're still collecting so we don't look foolish mm -hmm. and we don't lose out on our, our investment that has been running for years now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which from a purely uh, uh, neutral mm -hmm. uh, aspect seems fair only because and the artist in that case is breaking the contract. Yeah. 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 I mean, you would think there's got to, and you've been in these situations, yeah, so let me ask you, have, there yeah. has, you would think somebody, if it's a, a creative differences thing, somebody at that label has to share what the artist wants. I mean, there has to be a way to get a different A&R person to work with you, or there, unless, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, in, yeah, in that no, exactly. case, there has to be a way to work around it so that we don't use the nuclear option, which is just hurting <laughs> the, the artist exactly. even further. Good example, let's go back to 
late 70s, early 80s, Neil Young was on Geffen. Yes. Actually, he was, it might have been either Asylum or on Geffen. I think it was Geffen. And David Geffen sued his artist, Neil Young, yeah. um, who he loved as an artist, but Neil Young wasn't putting out what Geffen's called commercial, right. commercially viable music. So he sued Neil Young saying, your music, the music that you're putting out through my label is not commercial enough. Yeah. And um, they hated each other for a long time. And I think they finally settled or get, somebody got to Geffen and finally said, you've got to drop this. You've been so pro artist your whole career. And here you are suing what, you know, one of the best loved known artists around, mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's become intensely personal and, and emotional issues that, you know, the executives and uh, the artists, when they, when they become uh, at odds and, yeah. And at loggerheads with each other, it's it's it can Doesn't be the worst matter. thing. Yeah. It can be self-destructive on both mm -hmm. ends. It, it 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 translates into a lose-lose. Right. The artist yeah. may say, "I'll never make another record for you as long as I don't have the creative control that I want, mm -hmm. uh, and we're not seeing things together." And the company says, "We'll never put out another well, record." Prince right. Prince, did, <laughs> Prince did the same thing. Remember, Prince said, yeah. I'm, not, "I'm gonna I'm not gonna right. record sure. for I'm changing my name." That you happened. know, I'm artist formerly yeah, known. The artist formerly known as yeah. Prince. What what is yeah. the um, what is the policy? Because it happened. I think Tony Braxton did it, mm -hmm. and several other artists did it, where they declare bankruptcy to get out of yeah. the contract. That's How another, does that work? That's another very interesting out, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I'm not an expert at bankruptcy, but I know bankruptcy law provides what we call a fresh start. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in over your head, uh, your debts far exceed your income, um, typically you file bankruptcy. They're different forms of bankruptcy that you can file, but mm -hmm. um, it's possible to to have a bankruptcy judge or court deem you to be uh, an appropriate candidate for a fresh start, which means all of your contracts are discharged, so you also get out of your record contract. Mm -hmm. And uh, this became an option that some artists were trying and just said, Tony, and so forth. Right. Uh, Did it work for even, her? Even, Do I don't, I don't even, recall. Uh, it was more, more than her. Yeah, there were a few. There were a few groups. Uh, TLC. Yes, TLC. Yeah, too. They, they had yeah. made a fort. As a matter of fact, the record label when they filed for bankruptcy, the record label gave them a, a, a multi-million dollar check. <laughs> so mm. you're not bankrupt, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> right. Well, and the, case, art, the artist didn't want it. Didn't want to accept it. <laughs> they, in that case, the only people you do have to pay those are the IRS. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. The IRS never a part of those. Oh yeah, you know, deals. Right. You can't discharge your, your, your <laughs> governmental right. obligations. But, however, um, when artists try to do this and it's devious um, and they try to manipulate their finances so it looks like they're in over their head and uh, or they, they just basically want to get out of a particular contract so they go into bankruptcy. Um, when you file and your, your filing is scrutinized, your application is scrutinized, if, it, if, if it's determined that you filed and you're acting in bad faith, mm -hmm. The bankruptcy court can uh, di uh, dis discharge or dismiss or not grant mm -hmm. the bankruptcy. Uh -huh. Yeah, so you can be thrown out. And that has happened to some artists. That mm -hmm. makes sense. They were sure. trying to be manipulative and it mm -hmm. didn't work. I'm sure they're trying yeah. to take some cash and put the cash somewhere where it's Court says, this was, this was filed in bad faith. Mm -hmm. We're not going to allow it. All right. You know? Well, I think 50 Cent is a, an artist who filed for bankruptcy after he lost oh, a lawsuit yeah. from a woman who sued him for sexual harassment or something, and she won. Yeah. I think it was 50 Cent. Yeah, mm. they were, I yeah, believe it. Yeah, yeah, and he filed for bankruptcy right after, so that he wouldn't have to pay her, however many millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, this tried. is something that should not just be automatically done or um, mindlessly done, or uh, you know, done out on emotion or whim. Mm -hmm. you, 
you have to look very carefully at uh, the entire uh, financial right. situation that you're that you're presented or facing, and uh, put together an application when you go into bankruptcy court with an expert. Uh, that's going to make sense because otherwise, it can backfire very badly. Mm. Right. You know, where you, you spend a lot of money, you're still stuck in the contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Judge just charges it on a bad faith basis, and and you're back to square one. Plus, you've lost a lot. You know. Now, if we go to streaming. And uh, the Spotify rate for interactive right now is about 004, or that would be um, four thousandths of a penny yeah, that's right. uh, per stream. And we know that the out of that, the uh, record company is going to get, let's say, on a dollar, they'll get about 55 cents. And then it's the negotiation or the deal they have with the artist that determines what the artist makes. So if the artist is still on the 10 cent, 10%, 12% royalty rate or whatever, then of course we know how it works out. What, what, what I don't understand, and I know it has to do with non-disclosure, non-disclosure and so on, is that, okay, well, out of that dollar, Spotify takes 30 cents, that leaves 70 cents, record company takes 55 cents, that leaves about 15% to be given to the songwriter publishers, either through the PRO yeah. or Harry Fox or whatever way it's given at that time. How did the songwriters wind up with such a an awful deal? Mm. Uh, I mean, in in terms of interactive streaming. Well, they well they they, they they've um, tried to as as a group uh, press the the government to increase yes. their rates. And uh, they are starting to have some success with that because they've always the songwriters and publishers say their their rates aren't determined in accordance with market value. You know, yes, just arbitrarily set, and it's been so low historically. Mm-hmm. Even mechanical royalties. I mean, for for much of the uh, 20th century, we were talking um, two cents. Yeah, two cents, record, and then two and three quarter cents. I remember that lasting forever and then mm-hmm. uh we finally started to move up you know after the the, the law in 1978 right uh, which was a real breakthrough because we started moving three three and a half four we got up to five and of course now we're up to 9.1 but it, it froze right it's there. been at 9.1 it has been uh, it, it has mid, not mid last moved. decade yes yeah. mid 2000s yeah i left universal in 06 and it was still nine point. And we 9. thought it would continue and what's what's also interesting is that um as time went on, and when the record company fell, on, record companies fell on hard times, particularly in the '80s, they started doing what we call the cut-in. They started saying, "Well, we're gonna, we're not gonna pay you 100% of your mechanical royalties." And I, I tell students, "Can you imagine if you went to work for an employer and they said we like your music, but we're only gonna give you 75% of minimum uh, minimum wage?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that would be illegal. <laughs> the record companies have been able to get away with that. <laughs> yeah. Now, for it... years, and then, and eventually, uh, you, you knew this was going to happen because the lawyers and uh, those, those watching industry um, observers said this is outrageous. At some point, this is a conspiracy, it's an antitrust violation. Uh, all the companies are, tra- are paying three quarters of the rate set by Congress to songwriters. Mm-hmm. Why isn't this changed? So eventually, and quietly, in an amendment, it was changed for. So that the notion that you could sign an artist who also happened to be a songwriter and and only pay them three quarters of a rate was 
became taboo under copyright law, under the mm -hmm. amendments. And mm -hmm. so, and particularly, the, the compromise was with all digital product now, artists should be getting 100% of the, the statutory rate, not mm -hmm. three quarters, even if their contract says three quarters. Ah. I've told mm -hmm. some lawyers this that weren't paying attention to the law change, the change in the law. They said, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can actually demand 100%? <laughs> Even though my contract says 75, I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I had a student, um, I won't mention companies or anything, but I had a student uh, at Seton Hall went to work in a, a, a major label, and I asked him at some point, I said, by the way, are you guys now paying out 100% rate, full rate on mechanicals? He said, only if the lawyers and the managers know to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we give them three quarters. And the three-quarter rate is still out there. Yeah. Well, this contract that I read you earlier has three-quarter rate in it, and I was yeah. going to bring Yo, that up to yeah, you. Yeah, it's still that, out there. Um, yeah. All right. And I bet the person who put this contract together either knows what they're doing or they don't Yo, know what they're doing. <laughs> that's why it pays to keep up with the law. You know, sometimes you get comfortable. You say, I've been practicing for years. I know about the three-quarter rate. And you tell the artist, it's the way it goes, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, pay your dues, you know. Three-quarter rate is what we do now. And it's not true anymore. All right. You know? The... Uh, the latest thing, I don't think it went through, but mm -hmm. Aaron Van Dyne showed it to us either last year or the mm. year before, is something called uh, perpetual licensing rights in terms of you. the record company does not own the master, but you will license the master to the, to the label in perpetuity. Yo. And they were interested in doing this so that the copyright will never be reversed because yes. they don't have it. It'll just be a license in perpetuity. A license, yes. And the the band owns the tunes, but the fee was so high. And he said he has seen that a couple of times. He hasn't seen it go through, but he yeah. has seen it. There's more sensitivity now in the United States to licensing as opposed to giving, uh, granting uh, ownership rights to your masters. Before, all major companies always took master ownership rights. Yeah. And that's that's changed some now. You mm -hmm. can actually negotiate. And it, sometimes you negotiate a reversion, mm -hmm. maybe even after the company's had it for five years after you've left or whatever, and, or after they've recouped, uh, it comes back to you. It should come back to you. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, this is a subject that, that has become somewhat uh, controversial. Uh, any artists that have been around since the 80s or writers and so forth, they're reaching the point where now they can recapture their copyrights uh, and terminate licenses and, and agreements that they made with publishers. And um, this started in 2013 because in 1978, Congress passed a law that said, we can't do this all of a sudden because we'll destroy the publishing and the mm -hmm. music and entertainment industry as such mm -hmm. and, and the, um, the balance of powers. And they said, what we need to do is defer this, but they said in 78, 35 years from now, we're going to give artists a five-year window to recapture mm -hmm. and terminate any deals that they have uh, with publishers, bad deals that they want to get out of them finally. So there's this 35-year wait. You could apply to get out before the five-year window occurred. And um, interestingly enough, all major, art, all my major artists who are writers, they applied. Mm -hmm. On a timely mm -hmm. basis to get out of their deals, you know. Paul McCartney, I think, even was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, Sony fought him all the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, normally when you do apply to get out of the deal, companies will fight you and make you have to litigate. And eventually you might work out a settlement um, if you have a good case. And uh, by the way, if you signed a, an agreement which made, made your deal um, and your transfer work for hire, you couldn't you couldn't mm -hmm. recapture your copyrights. Mm -hmm. Explain that to the, to, to, so yeah. the listener understands what you. Yeah, so work made for hire. That's where the agreement actually says that whatever you create during the term of this agreement, from the inception of creation, will be owned by the company. So you never really were the writer or the author. You can get mm -hmm. credit for it. You get credit. Not. Yeah, exactly. And the company actually is listed as the owner and the author on the copyright. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so. Under those circumstances, you can't recapture. As it turns out, many of the older contracts weren't written as, as well as they should have been to, to capture that work made for hire provision. So lawyers have to actually go back and look at the contracts. We'll find that some contracts, the language didn't quite measure up mm -hmm. to what the copyright law required. So it wasn't really deemed a work made for hire. It was a flaw in the language. So the artist can recapture. Mm. That's major. Yeah capturing millions of dollars mm -hmm. worth of uh, uh, publishing and so forth. And companies have um, tried to make deals with artists that are about to do that. They look, we'll give you a bigger advance. Um, and we'll maybe even give you more ownership of the, you know, we'll co-own, but we'll give you a larger share of the ownership. Just don't leave us <laughs> mm -hmm. or pull your music, oops, out of our catalog. Yeah, uh, there was a, a member of YMCA uh, the, that had the song YMCA. I was just going to say people. that was a big thing that came that out. Was yeah. Big, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, his yeah. wife was a lawyer, so he was able to fight. Mm -hmm. He he said, "I want my copyright back to YMCA." Mm -hmm. and, right. I uh, fought, and uh, when I say fought, there was a litigation ensued in court, and uh, he actually lost initially, but he appealed mm -hmm. and he won. Uh, the company was saying, "Well, you can't get your rights back to this because." Uh, you'd have to get all the co-owners to join you mm -hmm. and do this together. And the court said no. The appellate court said no. Mm -hmm. yeah, if you own one-third share of it, you can get your... <laughs> your one-third share. Yeah, exactly. So, right. um, Well, that was the other thing that they've been trying to do. Yeah. And that is the ownership be the first name or whatever instead of all the names. Yeah. Um, what they called 100% ownership or something, mm. whatever it was called. And then the uh, lawyers said... That's not the way this industry works. It doesn't work this way. It's never worked this way. Oh. And uh, and it hasn't hasn't gone through. You know? I, yeah, and by the way, um, New York Times was doing an article about this copyright termination and recapture mm -hmm. law that was starting to come into effect January 1st, 2013, and has been running ever since. Uh, and New York Times went around to each of the major publishers and asked for a comment. And... Wouldn't you know, they got no comment from no executive. Really? <laughs> of course not. Yeah. yeah, interesting, huh? Yeah. So, Mom's the word. You had yeah. mentioned you have a five-year window. So, um, yes. It, it didn't end then in 2018. So, for it's, so 35 years after. So This is um, very complicated yeah, and hyper-technical. So 78 plus 35 got us to 2013, and then you had five years. by tw yes. Now this is 2019, almost 2020. Anybody who had something under this law from 78, your if window's you, if, closed. Yeah, your you window's can't. closed. And actually, the five-year window, if you look really carefully, is a three-year window. <laughs> because you have to give two years advance notice, uh -huh. at least. 
So yeah. after the third year, you can't give two years notice because it's only five year window, a five-year mm-hmm. window. Right. It's like if you leave ASCAP, they still collect for you <laughs> yeah, for two right. years. Yeah, that's right. You know, right. it's it's yeah. There's a two there's these things. Right. So we have <laughs> somebody a... created some brilliant. It's just person. good to know what's out there. Then get with an expert that really yeah, understands yeah. the details mm-hmm. and the fine print. So we had yeah. a 1909 yeah. copyright law. Yes. And then it was revised in 1976 to go into effect in 1978. And people talk about when it came out in 1978. It was already out of date because it of was. what has happened. Now we've lasted another 30-something years with it. Do we see a real revision of the copyright law coming? Well, we, had, we just did have one. There, there are a couple of things. We had uh, the law that, that brought sound exchange into being. Oh, yeah. The digital uh, The United, United States never DMCA, recognized, right. never recognized uh, a performer, an artist. Yes. Right. To income for airplay for for musical mm-hmm. uh, the public use of their works, and so that means all the terrestrial radio never paid artists; they only paid writers, songwriters, and publishers through the performing rights organizations mm-hmm. such as ASCAP and BMI. And eventually, the law finally changed the United States. It was a compromise, though, because the law said, "Okay, we're going to create a, for the first time ever a performing right for artists. Mm-hmm. So when their music is played publicly." They'll be able to collect the fee, and we're going to set up one company that's going to be able to collect all this. One organization, that organization is Sound Exchange, and they're collecting. So they collect fifty percent of the income goes to the owner of the master. Mm-hmm. That's good for indie companies to know, small mm-hmm. because if you own your own, if you're a startup, a do-it-yourself sort of company, you own your masters. Mm-hmm. So that means at Sound Exchange, you can register as the owner of the masters, collect fifty percent of the income mm-hmm. that they collect for performances artist performances uh, and, and sound recordings. And you can also collect featured artist recording uh, earnings. But just, uh, from just sound. a quick aside, yes. as you bring up the yes. indie label, we talked to uh, Dr. Richard Burgess, who's a, the head of A2IM, yes. um, which is a big uh, independent label yeah. organization, trade group. Sure. And he said, either here or when we were just talking to him, that there are independent labels that exist solely on the income from sound exchange. Yes. That, yeah, they can run their businesses because they're getting 50% of that. Yes, and let me mm-hmm. say something else that's going on, because I've worked with a lot of artists, um, some very major artists and uh, others who have done well in the past, and uh, this becomes like uh, a pension for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what has happened is sound exchange has become probably one of the more progressive uh, organizations in paying out frequently to to uh, performers mm-hmm. they'll pay out as frequent as monthly wow and and put direct deposit right in your account so you could literally count on it every month mm-hmm. i know artists that get three thousand four thousand dollars a month every month mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Know, um, or more and yeah. uh, that that's a great thing because in the record industry um, on the record side was always semi-annual accounting period you only mm-hmm. saw money twice a year right. you know six month intervals and uh, sound exchange pays every month. Of course, if you don't believe in uh, direct deposit and you want a hard check, well, you're only going to get paid quarterly from sound exchange. <laughs> All right. So you have to be a little more progressive in terms of how you collect your money. But, here, but here's something. that With the, the act that just passed in 2018, the uh, Musical Works um, um, 
Act, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, um, oh, Music Modernization Act. Modernization, yes. Yes. yeah. Music, they changed it and they changed it to Musical Works Modernization because they had they had originally mm -hmm. Music uh, Music Modernization Act and they, they altered it slightly, the name. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's basically the same thing. Here's something that now has happened that a lot of people don't know. We know that featured artists are now getting royalties. We know that the, the owner of the master is getting royalties. But that law introduced... Uh, provision that mandates that producers get paid. And so now producers all over the industry are starting to realize, and this is still going on, a lot of them still don't know, mm -hmm. but all those hit records that they produce, they're now entitled to a royalty from Sound Exchange. Mm -hmm. Is that now, because again, we go back to something you said a while back, there's only 100% to cut. Yes. 50% to the sound recording copyright owner, usually the label, 45% to the featured artist. So this come out of that 5% that's left? No, that it comes out of the 45% that goes to the artist. So it's come. Okay, that was my question that I never saw yeah. where that was coming from. And it from. used to be the artist had to sign a letter of direction that say, for my 45%, I'm going to give the producer 15 mm -hmm. or 20. Now producers are more savvy when they do a production deal or they produce an artist. They'll have a sound exchange letter of direction right on the contract mm -hmm. as an addendum, and they've got to sign off. And I also get, as the producer, my 15 or 20% or 10% uh, share of sound exchange. What, you what agree it, to have that paid directly to me. What is the rate that you're seeing that producers are getting? The, between, I say between uh, a low of 10 and a high of maybe 15 to 20 mm. Yeah, mm. of, this, of the, the sound exchange income. Mm. And if they haven't done that, uh, they might be out of a royalty unless they can convince the artist to sign a letter of direction. Except that the new uh, Musical Works Modernization Act, um, which is just generally referred to as the Music Modernization Act, um, indicates now that, listen to this, if you produced a record before, back in the early 90s, you're automatically entitled to a royalty hmm. without going to the artist to get a letter of direction. First time ever. Hmm. And so um, music business and entertainment lawyers are telling producers and managers, uh, there's money out there for you. You could be getting a check every month for those mm -hmm. hit records that you produce. Mm -hmm. uh, now, obviously, since it's coming out of the artist's share, there's a little tension being created. Yeah. You would think they would have created a separate pool. That, By the way, the artists have a 45% pool. The master owners have a 50% pool, which leaves 5%. You know what the 5% goes to? Is that unions? Yes, half of, half of them after uh, right. SAG after, yeah, mm -hmm. they collect and pay yeah. out to you know, the session players and, right. and so forth. They're probably not collecting most of that. Uh, mm. what, si what side performer or, or musician knows yeah. to get, get a to check get from sound? Not, not, you won't get it from sound exchange. You've got to go to your AF. Sound exchange will pay it over to AF of M, right. and you've got to get it from there. Mm -hmm. So there, this is uh, there's an information gap. And yeah, we we uh, <clears throat> we've met several times with our jazz adjuncts. Yes, and introduced sound exchange. Mm. You know, and told them that very good non-terrestrial is better than terrestrial for jazz. Yes, yes, just across the, the country. Right. You know, in general, and uh, some of them have come back to me saying, you know, not much, but I am, I'm getting a check no. now, which is, which is great. Now. With an all-in deal, as we're still on the sound exchange, yeah. so an all-in deal, and there's that 45% that the artist gets. Now, the producer, let's say the artist had a 12% rate. Producer took two points. Yes. So the artist got a 10% rate. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't the, the producer, wouldn't it be even to say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to you figure could, out. You could ask for a, you, know, you could, 
You could put in the contract, let's prorate. Though. Yeah. So you get the same proportion. In other words, if you're getting uh, what what amounts to uh, 10 or 15, 10% of my overall deal, then that's mm-hmm. what you get from Sound Exchange. 10% of our overall artist share. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pr- perfectly prorated or yeah. equitably pro- prorated. Right. So. In a way, though, right. remember how earlier, Dr. Esteban, you mentioned how the produ- uh, the publishers uh, have been getting the short end of the sick and songwriters, you know, in the in mm-hmm. the terms of streaming. Here's an example of yeah. how it seems like the artists are getting the short end of the stick because it's coming out of their 45% instead of maybe yeah, an equitable I'm, thing would have been, you know, coming out of the 50 and the 45. Right. But I'm trying to make the case know? that if the artist signed an all-in deal... Right, yeah. They were already, producer was already taking, let's say they wanted the two share, points, yeah. and the artist was getting 10 points, uh, 12, now the artist gets 10, right? Mm-hmm. So the producer actually is getting 20% rate of the artist's yeah. rate <clears throat> on that. So he could say, then I got 20% of this, because that's the deal we originally signed. The so, producer, I guess, just has to know now they have to listen to this podcast yeah. and they have to know, okay, yeah. I got to, or the producers, most of these guys have managers now and they're mostly guys. Um, the, the manager should be now going into those contracts and seeing them going. Looking mm-hmm. very carefully. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. See what the splits are and whether they are equitably prorated or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and also, um, we're in the day and age of uh, rampant features. A lot of artists or, or groups will bring an, an outside act in to, be a fe- to do a feature on their record. You know, they're not part of the original group. Okay, so they do a feature. Um, well, guess what? That featured performer that's not part of your group now can claim a share of sound exchange royalties. Huh. <laughs> Which is fair, and though, if they're the it's, featured. It's fair, so, yeah. So if there's four in the group who are going to get it, feature. now would be divided by five for that one song. Not necessarily. Oh, the featured artist. The featured artist might say, I want half of the... I guess that's something you need to deal with. Just like a a song split at the very beginning. Like I was with somebody recently. We negotiated the song splits before they put all their, they started working together just to get that out of the way. This would be the same thing. Okay, Carl, you're going to be a feature on my thing. (laughs) Um, We're going to work. But in advance, let's have the managers talk and and agree on how how, how that's going to work when it comes to sound exchange. And we could, if we have more than one, Guest status, we could really get complicated. That's right. Yeah. Asking for our most uh, most favored nation deal. That's right. And you just mm. imagine if you have a, a, a <laughs> guest artist, they and it's a three member group, and they perform on your record. Mm-hmm. Or, or you get lots of features with, like you said, multiple. Like I'm the Katy Perry, Pharrell. Yeah. Yes. Um, the best thing is to try to work those deals out before you even go in the studio. Yeah. Right. What the switch are going to be because after you have a hit, it's almost impossible to right. to get the same deal. That and of you, course, the label yeah. doesn't care because it's not coming out of there. 50%. No, you know, I've I've seen I've seen uh, royalties and income frozen by record labels, where there are no split sheets. For example, on the mechanicals, but mm-hmm. I remember once I was called someone at Universal and said, uh, "What's going on with this this album?" They said, "We don't have split sheets from the artists. They don't have a, um, an arrangement in writing as to what share each one will get. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting on the money. We've been holding we're holding albums worth of uh, royalties for ten tw- years or more." Mm. Yeah, so uh, do those split sheets get that worked out early? Because <laughs> yeah. the company will say that's okay. You don't have it. You can't figure it out. Well, we, we it's in good hands. Yeah, that's quite <laughs> a black box. And guess what? Yeah, that, yeah it is a quite sure a black box. And when it's paid out, it's never paid out with interest. So ah, if you give someone a few million dollars to hold, 
for yeah. 10 years. And when you <laughs> finally figure out what your percentages yeah. are going to be relative to each other, they give you just that that original amount, and all of that interest is lost. Well, I don't think there was any interest lost in our like conversation me. today. We need to, to <laughs> stop. With the this could have been a two-hour uh, show. So right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. ground to cover. Yeah, this is very good. Wow. Yeah. This was Instead this of viewing Cadillac Records to get some information, you should <laughs> view The Irishman. Just see how the mafia works. They don't know how the record companies work. <laughs> <That's right>. Okay. <laughs> yes, find three hours of your time for... I fell Did you watch it? I started the other day, and I fell asleep a good hour, hour and a half. <laughs> and I don't think it changed, except some more people got shot. <laughs> Martin Scorsese cannot make a movie for less than three hours. Oh, of course not. Oh, so. no. no. Bring your lunch in. Uh, All right. But Robbie Robertson still does his, uh, his music. He's uh, still the music. What do you call it? Uh, uh, Supervisor? Yeah, yeah yes. music supervisor. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, this was great. Uh, Very Dr. good. You I looked at my watch this. and I Wonderful. looked at Ashley, who was sound asleep. Uh, Ashley. She's on German time, of course. <laughs> yes. So right now it is. Uh, in Germany, it's it's far in advance. Wow, Germany, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, six to where six, we are now. It's yeah. like 3, 3 a.m. in uh, Deutschland. I don't blame her. Listen, I was keeping up with politics. Important things are happening today. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to watch, and everything was voting during the show. Good. <laughs> Lots of yays and nays were taking place. And what happened? Did you spoke. see any results? Are they still debating, um, or have we reached... Uh... We've passed two articles of impeachment. Oh, oh, they passed. Um, yes, but that doesn't mean a conviction, so we'll have to see what happens. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. They're just articles. I want to read yeah. the book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boom. Good so, Dr. Stay, I know. I have a very good-looking touche, by the way. So, Dr. Stabon, thank you so much for being here. Yes, at the end of a year. Have a very happy and blessed New Year's Eve. I'm sure you'll be in bed by... We usually go to bed by 10. So this will be 10.30? Can I stretch it? <laughs> I might make it to 10.40. Ah, just to spite wow. a man like you. Very good. Carl Guthrie, Thank Professor you. Carl Guthrie. Yes. The time always Thank flies. This is the third time appearing. Yes. yes. This, this oh. is a major time appearance. Yes. In the mail. I know. This was uh, each the time the they get better. We haven't had you on in a couple of years. So yeah, we'll see right. you in uh, 2021. <laughs> At least. I know. And you still look so <laughs> gosh darn young. Dr. Ashley. Thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you for using your broken English as you spoke about the yays and the nays. And who's here next week? Next week, we have taped shows. We don't have a live show again until, I believe, uh, February 2nd or 4th first, or something like that. First week in February. First week in February, year of our Lord, 2020. So until then. And will Ashley be with us? Yes, she will. Our German so, engineer. Ashley will, yes. Great. Uh, yes. So we're going to have to. student. That's right. <laughs> Carl Guthrie's prize student. So um, hire her. Maybe she can um, be a, a paralegal for you over That's there. Right. She's already got a job. I know. Para, buy a parakeet for her then. So there we go. I'm wearing a pair of pants. And with that in mind, uh, at the end of every show, we do not say hello. Would we do no. that, Ashley, ever? No. You know yeah. why? No. That's just silly. That's just silly. So at the end of every show, we say, Nine. Adios! Uh...